Okay. All right. We're back with another episode of Bigfoot Revival. I am your co-host, Sasquatch. Joining me today is, per usual, is the illustrious Yeti. Just illustrious, huh? Just illustrious. You know, oh. <laughs> um, I'm trying something new. The the keep referring to you as the cooler. I'm running out of things to say about the cooler itself. <laughs> so, well, my goodness, as long as you've known me, you should have plenty of good things to say. Yeah. So. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um. I'm going to turn you up just a little bit. For some reason, you got quieter than whenever we were testing it. So, mm. we had, uh, we interviewed a guy named Josie Wells. The Josie Wells, but not the outlaw, the Ecuadorian uh, missionary. So, we've known, we've known, excuse me guys, I'm having to run out youngins. And so, y'all might hear children in the background on this one. Um, we're out of town and I don't have anywhere to go hide. So, so, uh, we've known this guy for a while and he is a fantastic man. Uh, we have sat down and just had many conversations with him. And one day we were like, we got to get him on the podcast and the opportunity showed up to where we could get him on the podcast. So we've got an interview with the Josie Wells. Ecuadorian missionary. Uh, yeah. So, before we jump into that, though, we got some housekeeping. We got some. Uh, we got some new followers on Facebook, um, that kind of thing. So we wanted to go ahead and knock that out before we got started. So, uh, Yeti, if you hook Yo. us up with uh, our shoutouts. Yeah, we have nine people who have liked our Facebook page. And uh, if you're just tuning in, remember to like this Facebook page because you always get a shout-out if you do. Uh, we have Joe Simpson, Greg Moore. We know Greg Moore. Yep. From the Dead Men Walking Dead podcast. Dead Men Walking shout Podcast. Shout-out to that podcast, too. And Listen we to that him. one if you haven't. We appreciate it. <laughs> pretending to like ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Dave Scott. Hey, we got we got a real famous one coming up now. Gabriel Wrench. Really? From Cross awesome. Politics. Thank you, Gabe. Like, Thank yeah, you, everybody, uh, but that was just kind of a surprise. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, for real. Brooke Schumacher-Tanner. Uh-huh. Travis Gillilan. Angelo Silvestri. Chris Pierce and Mr. Tommy Guthrie. Mr. Tommy Guthrie. All right. So, uh, since we had so many, let's give it a good old-fashioned Bigfoot shout-out. Do it. We're going to play the whole thing this time. This is our first time doing something on phone, so Yeti can't hear the, the shout-out or the intro <laughs> music, so he's playing by my cues. But look, guys, we really do appreciate it. Uh, Y'all, uh, you know, we never imagined anybody would want to listen to us. And so we thought this would be something fun that we could have done for just a, a week or two and 
after a while just give up on it but we have slowly just continued to gain followers and we we highly highly appreciate it so all yeah, right absolutely um anything else before we go into the the um interview i think all the bases are covered all right guys so um we're about to jump on into the interview with uh josie Joe Wells, actually we call him Joe Wells. That Mr. Joe is what we call him. Mr. Joe, yeah. Mr. Joe. Um, but he in the interview he revealed to us that his real name is Josie. So Yeah. So um so we have taken that and ran with it. Yeah, you got to. You got to. Um and when you hear part of his story, you'll you'll find out that um he might not have been a gunslinger, but he was still a pretty bad dude. Yeah, um, for real. So I hope y'all enjoyed the interview with uh, Mr. the the interview with Mr. Josie Wells or Mr. Joe as we know him and uh, enjoy. Okay, all right, <laughs> we're back with another podcast, a Bigfoot revival. Uh, revival. So I am one of your co-hosts, Sasquatch. Joining me today is the man, the legend, the tough cooler. The Yeti. Yeah. And so... Hey, Ozark uh, Trail is coming a long way, so... Ozark Trail. <laughs> oh, my God. So, if you can't tell it already, we are joined with two guests. Um, Curry, which we've had up here before, but his father, Mr. Joe Wells. And Mr. Joe uh, was a missionary to Ecuador and raised a handful of youngins and grand youngins and... So he's got an interesting life, and we just kind of wanted to get him up here and talk to him about um, missions and, and just what he's experienced. So, Mr. Joe? I'm here. I'll ask you the same thing I asked Aaron Doan. If we were to Google your name, what would it say? <laughs> <laughs> well, my mother named me Josie Charles Wells, and I am not the outlaw. Is, is that, wow. <laughs> I would claim the outlaw. <laughs> I would totally claim the outlaw. I, I've been in banks where they say, watch out, here comes Josie Wells. Josie Wells. That is so good. <laughs> I never knew that. Man. Yeah, Josie. Yeah. By the way, thanks for having us back, guys. I really enjoy being part of Bigfoot Revival. But his name, J-O-S-E-Y. Yeah. Josie Wells. Wells. Not Wales, Wells. That is hilarious. <clears throat> Well, now we can go. We can tell people now. Where are you going? We're going to see Josie Wales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not the outlaw. Not the outlaw. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Man. At least not here in America. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, all right. So, Mr. Jo um let's let's start with a, just a, a quick kind of. Um, you grew up in the church. Yes. And you had the whole church experience, yeah. But you got saved at a later age, at thirty years old. At thirty years old. So, so, what was the? You've explained it to to me and Yeti before, but what was that that transition of? Okay, I'm living the church church life, but maybe I'm not saved. To okay, Jesus Christ is, has come into my life and changed it. Well, when I I think I was about twelve years old. And uh, Miss Mary Herring, which is part of our family, she was a missionary in China. And she was at the church and had us over there in the, as a young couple, young people. And 
she was talking about a uh, hearts, a good heart, a white heart, a black heart. And when she mentioned the black heart, I said, oh, Lord, that's got to be me. And that's the first time God really touched me to say, yeah, you got a black heart, need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So I left there and went to the service of the church. And when the invitation was given, I went down and talked with the pastor. I said, Pastor, he said, what'd you come for? I said, I came to get saved. He said, sit out over there and fill out that piece of paper. I did. I was baptized. And I said, okay, I'm saved. No yeah. one no one talked to you about no Jesus one. coming to no. save and die for your sins? No. Wow. Except she no, she I just remember being under conviction. Yeah. Which is not salvation. Yeah. Right. And I thought that was it. And between my family making me go to church every Sunday, I never had to miss one. I had to behave myself, all that. I just Figured I was saved. So when I went to college, I remember telling someone, said, what would you like to do in your life? I said, I'd like to be a missionary. And I won't even say, but I said that. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember saying that. <laughs> so I went to one year of college, and I had to work in the kitchen to pay for it. And at the end of the year, they gave me 10 cents. I said, no, nah, I'm doing better than this. What year was that, Dad? <laughs> that was my first year in college. Yeah, what, 58, 59 maybe? 59. Yeah. And so I went to Richmond and uh, joined the Baptist Church mm -hmm. and became the chairman of the Deacon Board, taught Sunday school. And then I was a treasurer. And in that church, I could not find 25 cents to get the book to balance. I said, I don't know what mess with this. <laughs> so I read that in front of the church in the business meeting, and some elderly lady back there started questioning me, well, where's the 25 cents? <laughs> 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 so I laid that thing right down on the front pew, and walked out. Yeah. And and two other families had walked out before me because of the pastor. Mm. So I went to another church where these one of these guys went to and uh went in there and man that guy could preach. I knew what that was and I said, Man, I believe I'd like to join here. And my wife wasn't with me that time. So mm -hmm. I went the next Sunday, I came back and got my children, my wife. And we joined the church. Yeah. I was saved. I won't I wasn't, but I thought I was. Mm -hmm. So they didn't I, ask about me and my and your other son's baptism or anything? No, uh -uh. I don't <laughs> they did, I don't remember. And so I wanted to teach Sunday school. They would, he said, No, you can't teach Sunday school because you smoke. Oh, wow. <laughs> It was an independent Baptist church. Okay. Now, I didn't know that until somebody said something and and they were talking about these different things like this. And I said, oh, my gosh, I just joined a hole in this church <laughs> because they were doing things different. Yeah. 
But yeah. I said, I like to preach it, so I'm staying. Yeah. Right. Now, and I would I would go with the pastor visiting. I knew how to lead a person to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I learned that. Yeah. I'd go forward and pray and ask the Lord, dot it up. And all that stuff. I mean, I just, I just, I just thought I was good. Yeah. Hmm. And here's what got me that I'll never forget. There was nothing, nothing uh, unusual about me or my wife going forward. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we were singing the, the uh, invitational hymn, and I saw her throw the book down, the phone book. God got a hold of me. And he told me, I didn't hear anything, entered into my mind, she's going to get saved. We never talked about it. I had no idea in the world. She turned around and picked the book up. I said, oh, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. She's not going to do that. (laughs) Mr. Joe's wiping his head to my I'm all right. I'm all right. (laughs) Then I don't know how much more we sung, but it won't much. She just laid the book down and went forward. It hit me again. I said, I said, nah, she just doing it because people would go forward, they'd talk to them, you know, all sure, that. Sure. So I calmed down everything, everything's fine. At the end of the service, the preacher said, the pastor said, I need to present to you Sylvia Wells. She just got saved. <laughs> I'm telling you, I didn't want the world to do, but I'm saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, that was at night. That was a Sunday night service. And mm-hmm. what got her to go to get saved was he was preaching on the, the, in the Texas, whatever, Texas battle down there. In Alamo. Alamo. Mm-hmm. And he drew his line. He said, draw a line. Which side are you on? Yeah. And she, that's what got her started. Right. Now, so that and throwing a songbook down is what God used to get me started. Yeah, now, right. so I always took her home on Sunday night. We got into bed and I asked her every question I could find that I did to get saved, I thought, that she did, that she didn't do. If I could just find one question that I did that she didn't do. I said, well, there's a difference. Well, I couldn't find a one. Mm. I mean, I asked, I don't know how long I asked them. Yeah. So I went to work the next day and, and the plant that uh, I worked in was had tr- car, train cars to go in, had some equipment, some machines. If you fell in it, that was it. I wouldn't even leave my office. I was, I was in charge of about uh, 145 guys. Mm. And I would leave by if I wanted to talk to somebody. I had four different foremans out there. I said, I need to talk to you. Come up here. I wouldn't even go up because I was scared to death I was going to die <laughs> before I could talk to my pastor. Yeah. All right. So about, about five o'clock, it just started wearing off. Okay, that's over with now. So every here's what got me. Every Monday, I would go to the church and help them build a building they were building for Sunday school. Mm-hmm. So I pulled my car in like this, and the pastor pulled his car in just like that. Right next to you. Right next to me. He got out, I got out, everything was fine. He said, what did you think about your wife getting saved? <laughs> I said, oh. pastor, 
I have got to know I'm safe. <laughs> so he took me right into his office. I knew the verses he was going to tell me. I knew exactly what he was going to tell me. He said, now you need to, you need to ask the Lord to save you. I said, okay. So I started talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, you said this, and I quoted it. That's what I'm doing right now. I want to you to save me. I am a sinner. And I took the verses and just said, I, this is what I want to do, and I won't ever have to do this again. I started crying. <laughs> and that's how I got saved. Yeah. Now, as soon as I walked out of his office, I went out there to work. And guess what Satan started doing? He <clears> said, <throat> well, I didn't hear anybody singing and hollering and all that stuff and praising the Lord when you got saved. Are you sure you're saved? I remember this. I turned to Satan. I said, Satan, I did what the Bible said do. If you can find anything better, let me know and I'll do it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that was yeah. it. <laughs> now, <laughs> that was it. So from there, it was, I don't know how, how long it was before God started dealing with me about going to Ecuador. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you were 30 at this time, right? I was, was 30 years I was 30 years old. 70? 69 maybe? It yeah, was, you just uh, turned 30. Yeah, 69 or 70. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I fought with that. And I said, now, now, I can't hardly talk to my wife. You want me to get up here and talk to people in front of me? I said, the world ain't no way in the world I knew that. But he wouldn't he wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. Every time I'd turn around and do that, he did. So I got tired of him said doing that. I said, okay, that's fine. I surrender. And I was sitting in the auditorium of the church when there was a missionary there from Brazil. And he preached and da da and God just got a hold of me. So I got up and went forward. My wife Got up and went forward. I said, well, what you doing? I know what I can do. So I went up there and I said, now, Lord, okay, I'll be a missionary. I don't know what kind of missionary, but I'll be a missionary. Can I please have some peace? <laughs> so I went back, went back down and sat down on the front row. My wife sat down on the front row. And uh, she said, well, what you come forward for? I said, I came forward to be a missionary. You're going to be my wife as a missionary. <laughs> What'd she go oh. for? for? Why'd mom go for? I, I don't know. She didn't say? She didn't say. But it weren't missionary work, no was it? <laughs> <laughs> that bothered her yeah. because she would tell the pastor, well, I don't want him to be no foreign missionary. We'll have to leave our kids and all that stuff. So the pastor came to me and said, uh, well, that's what she's saying. I said, you, you need to get that straightened out. And I said, well, that's what it's going to be. I, don't, I can't do anything else. I said, I cannot resist God anymore. Yeah. I said, we just have to do it. She said, well, if that's what God wants you to do, we'll do it. Amen. Mm -hmm. So she finally came to that. So. That was 1970. With How all long did it take mom to come around? 
between that going forward, I told her that all that stuff, it it sort of straightened it out. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. But she went forward too. I, was, I don't know what for though, but anyhow. Anyhow, that's you can tell at the churches the the, the independent Baptist church they have a they sing a verse just as I am every every Sunday. <laughs> Come rain or shine, they're yeah. gonna sing. <laughs> they're gonna have an invitation, and you're gonna go through all four verses. And if no one comes forward, then they'll end the service. Yeah. They keep coming forward or keep going with the verses. Man. Now, there you go. I'll say this: growing up. You know, Southern Baptist. It was the same way. It may not have been just yeah. as I am. I, that was that was it a lot of times. Yeah, if no one was coming up, you do the first, second, and fourth verse. Yeah, just get right, right. I, re I remember that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, we left Richmond, went to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, I still didn't know. Where is it going to be? Yeah, Springfield, Michigan. Missouri. What's there? Baptist Bible College. Right? Ba Baptist. Okay. That's Bible where he went college. to seminary. That's where I learned how to be a missionary. And uh, I read this book about this uh, missionary that, that got killed. The five missionaries, Through Gates of Splendor. Through Gates of Splendor. I read that book. Nate Saint. Yeah, see that was Missionaries of Ecuador. Remember the five missionaries and martyrs? Was that? That, that was, was in Ecuador? That, that was, was in Ecuador. Ecuador. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was in the early, late 50s. Yeah. Because once, once, huh. uh, his wife actually went back. No, his his sister did. Yeah, okay. his sister, sister yeah. and his Nate Saint's son. That he's got a book out now. Yeah, called uh, the Tip of the Spear, End of the Spear. Yeah, he went yeah, back yeah. years later. But yeah, that, the people, the ones that actually killed the missionaries, one of the Augustine later baptized the son of Nate Saint. After he got saved, y'all, you need to read the book. It's incredible. Yeah. And one of the Indians came came to the United States, and he took yeah, he died just church. last year. Did you know that? No, I didn't. He know that. He just died. Yeah. What's the name of that book again? Through the Gates of, of Splendor. Splendor. It's called. Who's, who's the Tells how they flew here. Isn't that Elizabeth Elliot? Yeah. That's okay. Elliot was one of the missionaries. Her her wife. Okay. His wife. Yeah. God used that book to convince you to go to Ecuador. Yeah, that's how. That's how. He convinced me to go to Ecuador. Yeah. And I said, well, okay. Well, you know, it's got to be one and two. So I said, okay. Then it went into my mind. Well, where is Ecuador? <laughs> 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 so now, I, what language do they speak? Now, wait a minute. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> so I, I went, <laughs> looked it up and, oh, my gosh, they speak Spanish. And I turned around to the Lord and said, Lord, you just made your first mistake. <laughs> I said, I actually said that. Wow. But he bugged, you know, after, after he, you get bugged so much by God that you finally figure out what he's doing. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm not taking more of this. I'm just going to say, okay, that's I'm it. going to Ecuador and learn how to speak Spanish. Yeah. So that's how I did that. And then, uh, of course, as an independent bad missionary, I had to go out and visit different churches and things like that and get my money. Yeah. And that was that was something else, too. But uh, the Spanish. I went to Mexico for a year. Uh, 
Okay, I speak a little Spanish. It was a Spanish. It was a, a language school. Language school. <clears throat> I, for two only to learn Spanish. So when I got to Ecuador, I, I went to a university and tried to learn some more. If after it was all done and everything, and this is where I, this is where God showed me, it don't make any difference to me. I'm going to use you. Yeah. So my Spanish wasn't that good. And so when I would speak to a different congregation or start a new church or something, I would say, well, let me tell you guys, first of all, right now, I'm going to speak North Carolina Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and they still and they still remind me of that. <laughs> oh, that is great. <laughs> I, I just didn't, I, I don't know how they understood me. Because I saw some of the words like it was just it was just I don't know only God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, gift of tongues. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah one of the some. Yeah. You were down there, and set, we went down in '78, right? 1978. 1978. And you left when I went 2011. Come back. What is that? Almost 35, 35 years. years. I was a missionary 35 years. Wow. Down, mm. I was down there. But uh, I when I was down there, I I made my mind up. That I'm not down here to see how many people I can get saved. I'm down here to start churches. Yeah. And that's, I said, that's the only way it'll keep going if I'm out of here. Yeah. With the church. Mm. So that's was my aim. Now, qualify what you said. Start churches, of course, so people get saved and come into the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah I mean, In other words, you wanted to leave a lap. This was a, this thing that separated him from a lot of the other missionaries there. It was, you leave a church so that even if he's gone, the pastor it's still outreach. Yep, yep, right. Still outreach. Well, that makes that, I mean that that makes more sense than anything else. And it's the biblical. You, you go out there and you preach the gospel and say, you know, a hundred people get saved, oh, yeah. but if they don't have anywhere to go from right. there, then exactly. what what happens? And so when you plant a church, it, you, doctrinally they're on solid ground. They have a place to go. Those people are going to be, do better at saving, of course. The, those yeah. the the you know the the people who who are starting the church with you are probably going to have better success evangelizing than you are by yourself Amen. to a group of people. So North Carolina Spanish didn't go too far, you know. <laughs> How many churches did you end up starting, you and Mom? Well, mm -hmm. twenty at least twenty six. It's probably about thirty of them. That's amazing. Yeah, but qualify that. That was from that's from different people. Let me let me get back to how I started churches. Okay. Now, uh, I would go to a place and start teaching, try to get the people to come. Mm -hmm. Some of them I had to stop because they didn't want it, but then another place would come to my mind and I'd go. Now, when I started one, <clears throat> the first thing I would tell them. You got to do this, this, and this to be a member, and all this, and so I made it for all of that. And I said, "You're not a church until you have a pastor." So, I my biggest ministry was outside of starting churches was to train pastors. Okay. And I had to have an institute to train pastors. Mm -hmm. Now, during all of that, at, at the at the mother church, I called it. There was a couple of hundred people. 
That's where Patricio is. That's where he is today, yeah. I would have the institute there, and the people, if you want to be a pastor, you had to come there and go to school Mm -hmm. for three years. Now, if one came in and said, well, I think God wants me to be a pastor, then I said, okay, we'll do this. When you finish here, I'll pay you $500 a month to go start that church. They could live on that when I was down there. And I said, now, every month, I want to know your highest attendance. I want to know how many has been saved. And I want to know how many you baptized. I said, if you give me that, I will give you the 500. He was keeping them accountable. Yes. And I need to know what, I need to know how much money they had because I didn't want to use them on something other than paying a pastor to start off with. Mm-hmm. I, because my, the first thing they've got to do with their money outside of paying the electricity and all that is to pay a pastor. Yeah. And they, if they wanted to use the money to do that, I said, nope, you can't do it. I controlled the church that much. Yeah. So they got that, got the pastor. But I had one pastor that didn't send me a letter. One month, he didn't do it. I didn't send him the money. So he called me. He said, I didn't get my money this week. This month. I said, well, because I didn't get a letter from you. Oh, I forgot to send you the letter. He sent me the letter. I sent him the money. I never had that problem again. There you go. But after that, I would say, now I want you to put aside enough to be able to pay for a building. I'll say, you use this for a pastor and set aside all right, how much you want to to pay for a building. Mm-hmm. And so, but during all this time, the offerings are starting to come in. Oh, yeah. Right? It was growing, see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, it'd take four or five years or something like that. Some of them would be, get up there where they can do it. Yeah. And then when would you release them? What was the point where you say it? When they, when they pay the pastor, they got enough money to pay the pastor, and they had enough money to pay a certain amount to build a building, they're all in. That's it. Let me ask you this. With, with um, you said that you, you were directly responsible for planning about 30. Yeah. Out from those churches, I'm assuming that they went out. No, that's counting the ones that just started that that's blossomed. Out. That's t- counting some that are okay. out of that too. Okay. Yeah. Responsible for me, let me see. One Quito, three in Guay in San Domingo, one in I would I would say about Eight to ten, no more than that. Mm. The rest of them come out of them. Gotcha. Okay. And that's where the institute came in, training yeah. the pastors to go out right. and start okay. new churches. Right. I would say, one guy came to me. I didn't know who he was. said, I understand that you start churches. I said, yeah. He said, I want you to come to to my place where I live and let's, let's start. I said, okay. So I took one of the pastors I had and went there and we he lived out in the country and in his little house. We started having Bible studies. Mm-hmm. And they got to the idea, they said, well, we need to have this in town where everybody else. I said, you sure do. So 
I had a pastor to come visit me one time when I was trying to get the money for that. He said, well, here, here's the money. Build your building. And buy you your mean property. a pastor from the States? A pastor from the States. Gotcha. Came down visit. From Maryland. And so we bought the land. And between two or three other churches that helped, we built the building. Yeah. Where was this? That was, oh. What's the name of that city? Remember? No. I forgot the name. Tell, tell them about the one. Let me finish this. Yeah, one. All right. So I left it, and we went back one week, and that village tore that church down and stuck holes in all the tents. Tens. They could have used the tents. Yeah. And I went to a lawyer. He said, No, I'm not messing with the Catholic. That, okay. So they were Catholic. Catholic. And the, pri uh, the priest. The priest Round them up, right? Yeah, the priest. The priest made fun of my North Carolina Spanish. <laughs> which which was nothing unusual to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> but let, uh, let, let me this is this is a side thing. It's I, I I don't want to spend too much time here. But I've just been reading um about in South America, about the time that you were down there, the Catholics were were developing a uh, a liberation theology. In that area, um, which is basically a communist theology for the Catholic Church, did you run into that, or I don't remember hearing hear anything about it? Okay, okay. I, I knew that ninety-eight percent of Ecuador when I went there was Catholic. Yeah, but you. it's down to ninety percent now, but it's charismatics are really yeah, they're taking over. What I understand is. Uh, in general, in South America, if you, you take that whole as a group, that uh, people are becoming more Protestant now than the Europeans did during mm. yeah. the, 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 um, the Reformation. The, the, one of the churches I started from that mountain, I hadn't got to that one yet. Okay. When I was run off that mountain, I started one down in town. Uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, I forgot what I was going to say. So right, we, we, we left off with the Catholic priest that punched all the holes in your metal roof. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, that was in another town. But let me go back. I'll probably I'll remember what happened there. Did you end up rebuilding that building after they... No, they wouldn't let us. Oh, wait, uh, another pastor that uh, I knew, but I didn't train, Mm -hmm. wanted to go in there and start one. I said, yeah, I'll take you in there. And we went to the family that was going to come to that church. And when I got there, the whole town was there with the priest. And they wouldn't let us get, come into the, they wouldn't let us get into the house. They had surrounded there. They said, we don't want none of your kind in here. <laughs> but in Spanish. <laughs> Spanish. And the guy that was with me didn't know what to do. And I, I talked to the owner of the house. I said, you have got the right to have whoever you want to in your house. I said, do you want us to come in there and start a Bible study? He said, yes, I do. But I have to live in this town. Mm -hmm. So I can't allow it. Mm. Didn't want to count the cost. That's the last I heard of it. Oh man! <clears throat> so it's things like that. I got, I got run out of three places. Yeah. 
And let me go straight to the one I've run out of that I didn't want to be. The first church I started was up on top of a mountain behind a, 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 a small village, small mm -hmm. town. And another missionary had it. And I, he knew that I wanted to start a church somewhere. And he, he didn't want to mess with it anymore because he didn't think anything to it. Mm -hmm. So he gave it to me. This was a place that had no running water, no electricity. No, gotcha. no electricity, nothing like that. And it, and it took about, I would say, at least 30 minutes to drive a car up there. Mm -hmm. yeah. I could get to the top. And uh, so I went up there and started. Boy, they was good. doing real good. They, they, we had a little Bible study in the house, all of this. And, and one of the, the guy that ended up leading the music, when I was driving down the mountain, he was coming down to that town to buy his stuff, all he had to have that week. And he asked me about it. And uh, my Spanish wasn't good enough to just sit there and explain everything to him. Mm -hmm. So I had in the, in the in the back of my Bible, I had the three or four questions that I wanted to ask. I said, I had it in Spanish. He read it. I said, do you believe that? He said, yeah. I said, do you believe that? He said, yeah, I'm going to say that, yeah. Do you believe God saves you? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I stopped the car, and I said, now, you asked the Lord to save you. I could say that in Spanish at that time. And he did, and he became the the uh you I mean, the guy that did with the young people and all that up there at the church. Okay. Up there. He became that's one of the first ones. Now, that church got started and uh, after they ran me off to the mountain. Mm -hmm. See, I was up there in it, and we were trying to get it to go in and all this in this house. And they called me up there, and another missionary went with me, and another Ecuadorian went with me that could understand Spanish better than me. <laughs> and uh, they <clears throat> they would talk, and it comes to the conclusion I had to leave. Mm. And when I walked out, the women were right over there with the rock. They want to start stoning it. If I'd, have, if, I'd have, if I'd have made some kind of effort, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I, I just walked off. I had to leave. Leave everything up there. Just like, just leave it. I didn't understand where God was in that, but I, I went down to the bottom, to the town down there, and started teaching. So after a while, some of them on that top of that mountain that I, I had talked to and all that, they saw the need to get saved, and they got saved up there. Gotcha. And they would come down and explain to me. And, and one guy came, said, my, my brother just showed me in the Bible how to get saved. He was one of the members of the church up mm -hmm. there. And I got saved. He, he said, what else do I need to do now? I said, well, if you got saved and all that, you need to be baptized. He said, well, I'm not going to do that until you show it to me in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, "Okay, here it is." There it says right there. You see it? 
He said, well, I'm going to get that done then. <laughs> and I, I ended up baptizing him later on up there. He, yeah. And he he's a pastor now and has three different churches. Oh, that's awesome. So out of that one place. Yeah. Now, another guy, I was down at the bottom of the town, and I was teaching, preaching, whatever. He walked in, sat out over on my left over there, and there was about uh, maybe 12 people there. And I was preaching. He stood up and raised his hand. In the middle of the service? Right while I was preaching. Man. And I said, yes, how can I help you? He says, i got to be saved. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any deacons. I didn't have anyone who knew how to do it. So I had to stop my sermon, sit out beside him and show him how to get saved. He did. And he started two churches. And he's got two groups right now that he's teaching in the town. Of <laughs> and out of, out of that church, little old church up there. Of a, of what, a town of like 200 people? Even less probably. Yeah. Oh, they have sent out seven pastors. How many churches do you think started? Oh, right I don't have the idea. Probably 15 or more. 15 or probably something like that. that out of that place still going strong. where a missionary told me they didn't think it was going to happen. And I, that's the only thing Thank I had. God. So I went up there and did it. I just I just said, okay, Lord, this is a door open. I'm going in it. And that church, I, I couldn't get them. I even offered them, I said, I can get the money to help you build a building. Nah, we don't need a building. We stay in the house. And so during that time, there was a Quechua Indian revival going on in that country. The subculture of people yeah. within Ecuador. That's yeah. called Quechua. the Quechua Indian. That's, this is a noted 20th century revival going on there. Within this group. And so... I had the church, uh, it was up on a mountain right there where the church was, it was a valley, went down way out there like that. And We need a camera on you, Mr. Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was back, back in the church, with, oh, after, well, I, they, they built the building because I said, I said, well, you guys aren't going to do anything done if you get your building. Next thing I knew, they were out there in the woods cutting the lumber. They said, all right, then. And that church is built out of total lumber. That they cut out of the woods. That they cut out of the woods. It's still that way, isn't it? Yeah, still that way. I was there a couple years ago. And so after they had the building, I went back there and I saw a church down there. I said, what what is that? And I found out it was a Kichua family hadn't been up there six months. They had a church building there with uh, that's before they had a building at at where I at on top of the house where I'm talking about there. In that church, there was no building. Yeah. It was in a house. So I took them to the back of the house and I said, "What? Tell me what that building is down there." And they said, "Well, oh, that's a church building by the Kichwa Indians." I said, "Well, how long have they been here?" He said, "Oh, well, I don't know, three or four, five months." I said. Do they worship the same God we do? <laughs> they said, yeah. I said, well, why can't God put a building right here then? That's when they went to the wood and cut the limber down. <laughs> I will never forget that. I, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. Been, they, I mean, everything was cut from the trees. And, cool. and uh, 
challenge accepted. Oh, yeah, you can tell when you go up there, you see the down between the boards. Oh, and yeah, it's yeah. It's really rustic. They got electricity now, though. Yeah, they got electricity up there now. And it was just something what God did in that one place. Yeah. I... I asked God all the time, I said, why don't you run me out of another place? <laughs> <laughs> and that, I, that's something I learned. When I ran it, when he got me out of there, then he started working. Yeah. And a lot of people got saved. And they, right. they invited me back because the ones that got saved became the leaders of the community. And they outnumbered the ones that were against yeah. it. And, it's, and that church still going I, on. I mean, when you're talking this stuff, what goes to my mind is Paul. Paul, uh, huh? I mean, you hear about Paul exactly. getting ran out of a city, and, and yeah, then, and then uh, it just it just reminds me of that. I mean, it, to be sure, you had to be thinking that I I had that's when I started churches. Yeah, I said that's what Paul did. My mind is going to before he ever left to go, and he said, "Lord, you have made your first mistake." <laughs> <laughs> God said, "I'll show you a mistake." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'll tell you. And, I, and after a while, I knew exactly what God was trying to tell me something. Mm-hmm. I do. I wouldn't fight anymore through obedience. Yeah, it's it's if you're not fighting it and you're finding and you're obeying God, and it's he, easier to hear that voice. Yeah, Your heart was he, used, he uses the same formula, formula of why he's gonna get you to do something. It might be different in your life, yeah. but I know what it is in mine. Uh, and that, that it, it's just like this today. The church in Well Chapel asked me to be chairman of the Eagle Board couple years ago. I said, no way, God. I said, I don't know. Now, in August of this year, and in September, they get new missionaries, new deacons. In August of this year, I was sitting in my office and it came to my mind. If they asked me to be chairman, I might just accept it. I couldn't get rid of that. Yeah, that's God. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't I couldn't throw away I I couldn't forget it. I said, well, I don't know what they're gonna do, but I I couldn't forget it. Right. So when they voted to get a chairman, and I wasn't a deacon at that time, and I'd just been called on as a deacon. Every one of them voted for me to be the chairman. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think I did? I didn't say, God, you just made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I learned that in all the things that I was doing. And, and I remember one time, my wife went to the hospital with the doctor, and she had some kind of spot on her lung, and they didn't know what it was. In Ecuador. In Ecuador. Gotcha. So I had to come home. Mm-hmm. Now watch this. When we came home, we went to Richmond, Virginia. That's where the, that's where the church that sent me it was. She went to the doctor. I don't know. You better go to this place out here in Chicago. I said okay. So I went to the church, the place in Chicago, and I had a church out there that gave me money every every month, and we had a place for us to sleep. So we went out there and. Looked at it. Was there a special hospital out there or something? Yeah, some special. In Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago. uh, Something like, uh, what's that? Cleveland Clinic? Yeah, something like that. Okay. And we don't see a spot. There was no spot. Hmm. And I said, 
Well, what, what are we doing out here then? And there was a lady in that church that God had been dealing with to go to Ecuador. And she didn't even uh, talk to us. Wow. So you were able to talk to her during that time? Talked to her right there. And she oh, said, well, I'll be down there. And she came out and stayed down there. Few years. For a few years, I don't have with the children, right? Yeah, to work with the ladies and children. And That's I amazing. saw God. You when you when you see God do something like that, yeah. you just said, "Okay, let's let's see what happens." Mm-hmm. You just don't even think about it. Yeah. But uh, there's, yes. I I, can, I just you know what breaks my heart here? What's that? I don't see it here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying people don't get saved. I don't see God moving here. So that brings up a question. Do you think that it is a difference in hearts from the people or a difference in the uh, Christian body in the way that they evangelize? Out in fear, yeah. I think the biggest problem is we have a lot of people sitting in front of us and in front of our pastors that think they're saved and not. Yeah. You mean here in the States? Here in the States. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the biggest problems. Y'all's whole, yeah. That's what y'all's whole ministry is about, ain't it? Yeah. Really? Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's easy believism. I don't, I don't think it gets to the bottom point. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what I... And the churches make decisions they don't. They don't stop and say, "Well, what does God think about this?" Mm-hmm. It's just something they want or do or act. Something new, something this. Based off of pragmatism yeah. rather than than scripture. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And let's try this or let's try that. The bottom line is, the my personal opinion today in the United States of America needs to read the second chapter of Acts. And see when those Christians, that church, mm-hmm. was being persecuted, being killed, mm-hmm. and said, "You don't don't you talk about Jesus anymore." What did they pray for? Not to get rid of that. They said, "God, we need for you to do something." Yeah, that's what they prayed for. You look at that, analyze that, you'll see it. It wasn't, "Lord, I please don't let them persecute me." Yeah. Please don't let them do that to me. Right. It was, Lord, we need for you to do something where we'll have the courage and whatever to just say what you want us to say. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what's wrong with the United States. Yeah, it's today. too easy to be a Christian there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's heavy. That is. Yeah. Heavy. It is. Yeah. And, and I, I'm just wondering what God's going to do with this election because that might start turning the corner there. Well, we need a dose of that. Well, let me, let me say something about that. Now, hang on one second. When, when, the, when the rubber meets the road, though, I just pray that we all, I'm sure, pray that, Lord, when it, it gets expensive, when it gets too much for me to be a Christian, that I just plug through anyway. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's what you got to do. We've never had to experience it. Obedience. Yeah. Faithful you don't obedience. Make any difference, you got to obey. Well, that, and that, that goes to, I don't even know if I want to leave this in the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. That goes back to, and we talked to you a little bit about this the other day. Here we got we've got this 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 on our heart, but we're always concerned about money. Mm-hmm. We're always concerned about money. It's it's 
how you know because we don't see how God will take care of us. We don't see how. So we're, we're we work and we we, um, we were talking about it. Uh, our little our last short podcast. We said you know uh, feel feel. Uh, from Duck Dynasty, Robertson. Robertson. Yeah, Robertson said, "You believe you, you, your faith. You have faith in God. Have faith in capitalism. Work hard. You'll be taken care of." And so we kind of, you know, we kind of think, "Well, that, may, that 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 wraps up what we've said in the past." But there's still that part of us that says, "Okay, how successful will we be, and what what we feel like He's put on our heart, as long as what's coming through our head was how we're going to have money, how we're going to have money, how we're going to have money, yeah. instead of just saying." All right, this is what we're doing. God will take care of us, and and, and rolling with it. Well, because it's so easy to equate success with money. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. Instead of just saying God's going to take care of us, He promises that in Scripture that that He's going to take care of us, and as long as we're faithful and obedient to Him, and we're seeking His glory first, He will. Yeah. That's not in some charismatic way either. Not in right. A, that, that's that's a lot easier said than applied. Right. Yeah. And, and, exactly. And, and what what people don't understand is he doesn't deal with each everybody the same way. Yeah. He deals with individuals because he knows mm-hmm. your gift, your gift, my gift, and all of them out there. And that has to work together. If it's not, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let me let me tell you a little bit about. Uh, if I got time. Yeah, that, that's the great thing about a podcast, it, as long as we want it to be. <laughs> or or we can break it down into two and do a separate one. Yeah. Either way. Either yeah. way, if we break it down into a separate one, I'll just do it in editing. Okay. Uh, I live in a country that practiced socialism. Yeah. Now, it won't really stream some, in some places, but it was there. And the government had all the hospitals and paid all the doctors. Yeah. And that was, that's, just like they say it here, that's so nobody, we wouldn't have to do it. All right. So, if you were sitting in a doctor's office where I was, and you've been there two hours, and the other people went in front of it and all that. You go up to the nurse up there, or the person up there, and say, uh, <clears throat> I've been here two hours. Why can't I get in here? Mm-hmm. She would say, how much did it cost you to come here? It didn't cost me anything. Go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, let me say this. As ugly as that is, it's a valid point. I mean, that's the thing. That, that's the way it goes. The government don't have the money to do it. Yeah. Let me show you about the hospital. Two things. I had a pastor that needed blood. And I had the same kind of blood he did. So I went to the hospital and said, I'd like to donate this blood. Mm-hmm. They said, man, good. I said, well, where, where do I need to go? They said, go down to this drugstore, go up on the top second floor, and they'll take the blood. So I went down there, went on the second floor, and I said, I came to get some blood for a guy in the hospital. Go back down to the drugstore and buy this, 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 and this. I went down there and bought this, 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 took it back up there. They took the blood out and put it in this bag. I was getting ready to walk out of the door. I said, whoa, 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 wait. you got to take this to the hospital. <laughs> <Yeah>. Whoa. 
That's because government don't have enough money to do all that. Yeah. Wow. Now, a baby being born. I had a pastor's wife and him come to my house, and right across the street from where I lived, highway there, there was a government hospital. Mm. Well, let me wait for four things. Let me say this: they got it, received the blood. Uh huh. I went to visit the next day, and whoever pulled that needle out, the blood was still coming out, and it sort of went like this. And on the wall yeah, there was a streak go. of blood. I looked down there and ants were crawling up it. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you want mm. socialism then? Uh, <laughs> but let me say this. But it's like free. That, that's, that's all they care about is that it's free. It's like, it doesn't free. matter Don't how it horrible it is. Yeah, right. It's like when they point to Cuba to find its education system and, it, education system and its hospitals. You're like, you've lost your mind. You got, well, you know, I, I, the job I do, we see Cuba. We used to anyway, not anymore. But coming, leaving Cuba because it's so bad. Man. Yeah, they come here leave. to the U.S. Yeah, that's where you leave. But let me tell you about the baby being born. Same hospital. Hmm. Went there, took her over there. They looked at her and said, "Yeah, you like you about almost ready. So come back in three hours." <laughs> so I took her home. Came back in three hours, and she was hurting so bad that she grabbed the iron on the door on the windows mm. to hang on to. And uh, I said, "I said she she ready to have this baby." Well, you go down there and you buy this, 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 and this. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I said, "Forget it." I took them to a private hospital, a clinic, yeah. a clinic, clinic, yeah, <clears throat> to a, to a private clinic. The government had anything to do with it. Before me and my wife could sit down, I heard the baby crying. Man. Uh, let, let me tell you. Now, you happened. don't want. No, yeah. yeah. You don't. And listen, I heard what Obama said for 35 years in Ecuador. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And what Biden and Harris are saying now, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. The same thing. Mm. You don't want it. But when, I, we, when we were living down there, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but we, when our kids were young, we. Went to the doctor, they were getting their vaccine. Mm -hmm. he, yeah, he said, all right, just go right down here and they'll give you your vaccine. <laughs> we got in line. As I got closer to the line, I saw there was a lady up front there. She had a, a small flame, whatever, how she was feeding the flame. She'd inject one kid, take the needle out of the kid, pass it over the flame, <laughs> fill up the, uh, the serum mm, or whatever, yes. and inject the next kid. This is in the height of... HIV and all that yeah. stuff. So I went back to the doctor. I said, doctor, I said, we're pretty integrated here, but I ain't that integrated. That's just crazy. He looked at me like I had two heads. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah. He said, go down to the pharmacy then and buy your own stuff. <laughs> so I went and bought, I went and bought a, a three new needles, <laughs> took it back to him, and they injected brand new each, each child. And I'm sure when we left her, say, yeah, we got three brand new three yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. That's socialist medicine. Anyway. You know, well, I've always said, God. how can God have a world financial system and this government stay social, uh, capitalistic? Yeah. Mm. That's for another podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, that I, is. I see it. I see it coming. <clears throat> The writing's on the wall. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. So, 
when when it comes to preaching the gospel in a foreign land, is that something that uh, was that easy? I mean, in the sense of of people, the yeah, I mean, I mean. Obviously, it couldn't have been so easy because you got ran out, but at the same time, it also sounds like people were hungry. Uh, yes, and that's what I don't see here, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, you could be preaching, and you would say something in the Bible, read it, <clears throat> and Catholics did never teach it. Mm-hmm. And they'd have their Bible. Did you see that? They'd turn to While the I was preaching. Did, did, you, out, out did you read that? Yeah. Did you read that? <laughs> and I, I had to wait 15 minutes or so until they got through saying, did you see that? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and that's, that's what it was. And the first church I put the sign up on, I didn't put the word Baptist. Yeah. I didn't like that. So I put the word Baptist mm. up. And Lord have mercy, that whole town came to see what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's just right. Clocked in, buddy. <laughs> I think Man. I think a, a, a part of it too down there when you in a third world country, they don't have a lot of stuff. Yeah. So when they get saved, and they get plugged okay. into a church. The church becomes their life. Yeah. Mm. Because now they have identity. Yeah. And they also have a, a family. Yeah. And they don't go there to, to get. They go there. To, they go there to, to receive, of course, the word of God. But yeah. But then they. It's not like it just. It's like. Well, we we've been talking recently, uh -huh. and we've said, you know, one thing that we've got to establish is a sense of community, and not in the sense of, um, I go to church with these people, right? Right now we have, you know, we'll say this is my Facebook community. We have all these Facebook communities, but we don't have real life community. And, and and so the church has got to be as salt and light, mm -hmm. able to fill in that that spot in in the people's lives as community. So so once we have community, to the point where it's it's uh, say we're all in the same church, and um, something happens, and I need to buy, um, you know, diapers for my kids, right? Yeah, I don't go to the welfare line, I go to y'all first and yeah, say, look, church, yeah. and say, look, you know, this is embarrassing, but I've got to have diapers for my kids and I can't afford it this week. Right. And the church says, that's no problem. Yeah. That's no problem. And, 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 and there's accountability there, right? That there isn't with government. There's accountability there because the people after a while, after giving you so many sets of diapers, they say, what are you doing with your money, man? Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. Like, what are you doing? Right. Like, like we need to get something straight in your life. And so we're, we're not saying you're sinning. We're just saying maybe maybe you're not being the greatest with money. And, and if we can help you with that so that you don't have to come to us because, you know, and working community in that way and, and, and to where people are legitimately tied in. Not, not I go to church with these people, but I live life with these people. And that's hard to do in today's age. It, 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 in in yeah. the culture that we have today, yeah. But well, that's the difference that I in the church. Can build it. 
the church a, can build that. Yeah, that's uh, a difference in the church and something that would be identical in the secular world, right? Because there are in the church, you have people that are closer knit together than they than they are with their own blood relatives mm -hmm. because it's Christ that join us together. We, right. We've talked about it. It's some of our best friends that we get along with are in the church and we have absolutely nothing in common with except Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. And we love these people. Yeah. yeah. There's people that I've legitimately great friends with and I've thought to myself, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would not be around this person at all. <laughs> well, I mean, join the crowd, but I would not. I, would never. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, and, and so there has to be that development of community. I, 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 think, I think as a whole, as, as a church, as, as Christians, we have to be the salt and light in that area. And, and, and you were talking about they have that in these third world countries where they, they're dependent on each other during, during, um, as a lifestyle. And we're, we're not that way. I mean, um, one of the great things about being from rural south is that you're very self-sufficient. You know, we have our own well. We have our own septic tank. Yeah. You know, we, we make sure that, uh, you know, um, push come to shove. I can always hunt and make a garden. You know, I, I, I have ways of surviving. Um, and even even myself, I, just being honest, the church isn't one of those things, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I love my church, but I'm not. We're not tied together in that way to where it's. This is essential for my 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 well being, mm -hmm. and so when you when you because we are so self sufficient, we have the money to where we can be that self sufficient. We have that we've been blessed, and if you want to use those terms, to where. We can be that self-sufficient. Where it weren't that long ago, I remember my family. You know, a Saturday, you know that that just meant you were putting on somebody's roof, or you were doing this or that, mm -hmm. and it was a, it was the whole community had had group. The church was you had this this group uh, that was the community and, it, and our community, and then the church was down the road, and it was similar to that, but a larger community. So it would be these groups of families. And and that was when I was you know just a little boy. I remember that kind of thing. But now it's it's not that way at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that way at all. Yeah. It's just this 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 country hasn't seen God really move. Not they for a saw while. it at nine eleven. They might have thought something, hmm. but can you imagine your church? If somebody came up while you were teaching, you said he said, "I I just got to be saved." Yeah. Because somebody talked to me and said this. Yeah. What do you think your class would do? In church, what would they do? In church. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing stuff like some that. of them would. I mean, in reality, some of them would probably be suspicious of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you, uh, they could be, yeah. Well, another thing that's sad is that a lot of churches aren't confronting sin and not calling out sin for that. That's true. So you've got young people, uh, millennials that are starting to get a little older and get married and have mm -hmm. some kids, and they yeah. want some consistency in their life and some, and some stability or raised up in the church and got away. Now they're coming to church 
and just out of habit to have mm -hmm. something out of habit and, and to have something consistent, but there's no genuine heart change and no desire for Christ. When I tell you something else, I, I, I think, I think we've done this whole thing where we've turned the, the church into this place of entertainment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. And because of that, people our age, we're, me and you are both 35. Yep. People our age, and 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 maybe younger, we were we're on that kind of borderline between, you know, millennial. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't think we are in the sense of the culture of it, mm -hmm. but but we were right there on that borderline, and so it's one of those things where they've seen the the entertainment, they've seen, and they realize it's not real. Mm -hmm. It's not real. There's nothing real about any of that. There's nothing real about you it's know dressing your dressing your pastor up in a dress if if you get ten thousand you know a uh, hundred people into the church that week you know there's nothing real about yeah, you know exactly. about doing all these things um, giving away cars at Easter you know if you're just some of these mega churches mm -hmm. and that kind of thing and I saw and a church the, the other day had a roller coaster on the stage no way no. <laughs> And I think I think people are well, coming to realize that this is a this is a show. There's a nothing show. real here. Yeah. And so I think that's why the yeah, the young thing. restless reform thing was an actual thing. Yeah. Was because people were going, we want something deeper. We want yeah. something deeper than what we have. Now that's kind of ran off the wet rails a little bit, but I still think that when you in our area, where you because we're not a a city, you don't have that much, uh, you don't have that kind of influence that right, you do. Right. But yeah. we do see, I think, I think people are going to be more interested in going to a, a, a church that has the gospel preached. I, I think some, even like just the pews, right? When you walk in there and you see pews, you, there's a certain amount of, you go, there's a there's tradition here. Mm -hmm. There's something more than just this is the newest greatest thing. There's something solid here. I think that's what that 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 um, says when you walk into those churches. You know, you can have chairs in a church, and that don't make it any more or less biblical, right. Right? Right. right? But I think when you walk into a church and it has the pews, I think people our age and maybe younger have that mentality of. There's something legit here. It's not. It's not the show. There's not the fog machines. There's not the mm -hmm. you know all that stuff. The lasers and and I've been to those churches that have all the lasers and fog oh, machines and the rock band. I mean, crazy. I, I read a, a quote by J. I. Packer this uh -huh. morning. He said, "The preacher's job is to proclaim the faith." not to provide entertainment for unbelievers. In other words, to feed the sheep rather than amuse the goats. That's wow. right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, That's good. Right. Well, you know, what's funny is you read some of these old English guys, um, Spurgeon, mm -hmm. um, um, Packer, you read, um, yeah. oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, The, the devotion that, that we've given our guys. Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers. And, and they were Civil War, World War One, World War Two era guys. And when they talk about England, it sounds like America today. Yeah. yeah. It, it right. sounds like yeah. America today. Yeah. When they talk about England back then, 
you know, you're listening to Charles mm-hmm. Spurgeon. That was probably on Civil War times. Yeah. And, and he's talking to you like, that's us. That's us. Or, or, <laughs> or um, Lewis, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? You're listening, you're reading C.S. Lewis, and you're like, he's talking about us. Yeah. He's talking about us. That's who, and, and, but we are, we're falling into the same, technology's different, but that same temptation to, to stray away from the gospel and to start entertaining people, to make mm-hmm. people feel good about themselves is still there. Well, yeah. there's, there's so much stuff going on now that when I pray, I say, God, you know exactly what you're going to do with this situation here in this country. I said, you can use it, prepare to come get us. But I ask you, please, give us more time to testify to lost believers. Yeah. Yeah. I ask you, let me have some more time to be able to tell people that your son died for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, because if he puts this thing together, we're out of here. Well, that's what we're supposed to do anyway, right? I mean, I mean, he comes, he comes when he comes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and when it says are you to be ready, it's not talking about sitting there with your bags packed. No. It's talking about he wants to catch you in the middle of witnessing. Right. He wants to catch you in the middle of serving him. Yeah. He wants to catch you in the middle of of bringing him glory, not sitting there with your bags packed, waiting to rock and roll. Playing some games on your phone, killing time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Jesus said, and be like men who are waiting for the master to come home from the wedding feast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have your lamps ready. And, and <clears throat> you know, that's a good one, too. Um, he talking about, uh, he uses the, the illustration of master and, and waiting for the master to come home. Mm-hmm. If you've ever worked at a plant or something like that, you all know these guys who are, who, who do their, they work harder at avoiding work than actually yeah, work. Exactly. But yeah. when the supervisor comes, they're the hardest working people you've ever seen. <laughs> and, Busiest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's what, you know, we're, uh, so, so we're to work as if he, you know, he's the supervisor and, and, and he could walk around that corner at any time. You know, and, but we don't know when he's going to yeah, walk around right. that corner. He could just walk around that corner. We'd be working, not sitting there watching the corner, sitting there going, he'll come around that corner here. Yeah, soon. exactly. Those, <laughs> would be the people, that corner here. those would be the very people that say, but Lord, didn't we profess in your name? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. In your name? Yeah. and John said, I do not want to be ashamed at his coming. Right. Yeah. Yep. I do not yeah. want to be ashamed. And how many decisions does this country make that could be Christians making that they're going to stand before God one day because they made the wrong decision. Yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah. I, and I, as a leader, mm-hmm. I taught the pastor as a leader. Yeah. I said, you need to read the, I got the verses in the Kings and in uh, Psalms. And you need to read one in Thessalonians and Ephesians. When you make a decision, I mean, if it sounds good or looks good, you find out what God wants to do. Is this is He in agreement with this? Mm. Stay close enough to Him to where He can say yes, no. Yeah. And I, and this is where we are today. Just we make decisions because oh, that worked over yonder. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that don't right. mean it's going to work here. Right. That's what they did. And look how big their church is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyhow, well, Mr. Joe, we appreciate you spending this time with us and and and. Well, I enjoyed it. Giving us uh, um, to be able to hear to be able to hear what you've done for the gospel, what God's done through you, through is, me, yeah, is, what is legitimately exciting. And um, yes, sir, it motivates us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, Curry, man. I appreciate you. Always oh, borrow, Mr. Joe. Bigfoot revival. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, I'm always liking. I'm, like, I'm a top fan. Oh, you're not just a liker. You are a commenter, too. That's right. Yeah, we appreciate all the comments we can get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Top fan badge or something like it. Yeah. Oh, really? You are yeah. tied with two other. Well, it kind of rotates. Oh, I need to beat down. I need to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you need to start here. You need to start. I got one. Liking it. <laughs> how do you how do you get on this? On BigfootRevival.com. One, two, three. There's three different things on here. Which one did I go to? You all of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we're also get you on. Up. Well, I tell you what. Speaking of those three or four things, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know how they can find us? All yeah. right. So right now we are actually on. Instagram at Bigfoot Revival. We're on Facebook at Bigfoot Revival. We have a website, www.bigfootrevival.com. We've started a YouTube channel. We haven't done so much link to, uh, to it uh, because of some technical reasons. But if you go and you go to YouTube and type in Bigfoot Revival, if you follow the show any at all, you'll find us there. Yeah. Um, There's some young punk kids on what something yeah. that got tied in there. If you see some punk kids, that's not us. If you see some <laughs> punk adults, that is us. There you go. Well, I might come on after that one. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to email us, you can reach us at bigfootrevival at gmail.com. That being said. That's email. That's email. That being said. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, yeah. love, and sound judgment. Hey, guess what? What? We out. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>